0: Welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki Conlet. I'm the pastor at St. Paul's and Good Shepherd Lutheran Churches in Easton, Pennsylvania.
1: This is Lydia Apostle, the pastor of Family of God Lutheran Church in Buckingham, Pennsylvania, and this is Lit Liturgy. Your favorite liturgy podcast, we do Worship with a Twist. We are lit because we are amazing, fab, epic, sick, on fire, totes, magots, and the cat's pajamas, but also because...
0: Um, we're drinking, and we have right to drink, because, you know, we're two months into this quarantine. Uh, social. Te- yes, and aren't getting out of the pandemic anytime soon. So, uh, So, Lydia, what are you drinking today?
1: I'm drinking a tequila Sunrise. Um, and it kind of has some layers. I'm showing Becca, mm. my the cool layers on um, my pretty drink here. And that sort of ties into our theme, which we'll get to in a second. But what are you drinking?
0: I am drinking, also uh, appropriate for our theme, Jovial. Mm. <laughs> um, it's a Belgian-style double ale from Trogue's Brewer- uh, Brewery out in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh, and at some point, we'll swear during this podcast because I'm sitting in a closet, so... <laughs>
1: And at some point, we should thank Brian O'Dean for his theme music.
0: So So we've hinted to this between me being in a closet and Jovial and your multi-layered tequila sunrise. So what's our theme,
1: Lydia? Part of a rainbow. Well, we're uh, talking about inclusive language and also the fact that Pride Month is coming up. And there are still things we can do in worship, both for uh, working toward more inclusive language and toward celebrating our LGBTQIA plus brother uh, siblings in Christ. I almost did it.
0: You, you <laughs> did. Myself.
1: Um,
0: so there's two ways to think about this, about with inclusive language. Um, we can think about changing our language used for gender, both in referring to God and to humans to be more inclusive of our LGBTQIA uh, folks in particular, but also to women and for people who don't have great relationships with fathers and feminine males and et cetera, et cetera. Um, or we can talk about changing language that is considered insider so that more people know what you're talking about and can feel more welcoming into the church community so we use words like him and, narth- and narthex and sanctus and apparently I can't say some of them today so we're mainly going to be focusing on the former the uh, about LGBTQIA inclusivity but it's also a good time to talk about the latter as well as whenever you're talking about changing language it's good to do both um so you can change those words to you know to be song or lobby or the holy 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 um or use them both in the sentence for our opening hymn we will sing the song yeah. dot dot yep. dot um, it's also a good time to talk about language because a lot of us will be doing virtual worship for some time, um, whether it is soul virtual worship or just having that as an availability as not everyone in our worshiping community is going to feel comfortable coming to worship. Um, and so when we say things like here in this place or we talk about God's work or uh, work or when we talk about the church to specify we're talking about the people and not the building, you know, I, I really notice this. I think the first week of when we were only on, uh, um, yeah, only doing virtual worship, and it was during the Kyrie, and it's for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, and here being H E R E is how it's written. Um, or the song, you know, you suggested the song Gathered Together, <laughs> like. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's sort of like how do we how do we adjust our wording? Like when we say things like "we're gathered together here," um, I myself have have switched from saying uh, "welcome to worship" with Family of God, mm-hmm. which to say "welcome to worship at Family of God," um, because I realized, we're worship, you know, for, for yeah. the, exactly the same reason. And actually, as as you were just saying that, it also made me realize that when we say things out loud versus when we assume people have a piece of paper in front of them and some people are going to tune in not having a bulletin no matter how we distribute it and i so there's a a, the benediction that's that's common right now for the lutherans for the elca it has turning your morning into dancing Mm. so i realized that people might hear that and not looking at their bulletin or not have one and think that i'm talking about like the time of the day and so i actually changed that to sadness just to make it a little bit clearer or so, like, grief some things we could think about with this
0: yeah so there's all sorts of reasons to think about language i think a lot of church leaders are thinking about language right now because of the pandemic uh so why not in the midst of thinking about language of about being here also think about language about what is insider and outsider language and also think about how we can be more inclusive to people uh who are lgbtqia um especially to people who are gender non-binary um because that seems to be one of the biggest ones uh that stems from both uh for millennia making god male um
1: our language is so binary it It is it. Okay.
0: So a little bit of background on this, um, on, on this podcast is I, a little over a year ago, Lydia and I went to an event through the, at, was at the ELCA New Jersey Senate. Um, that was, it's called, uh, faith, hope, and love. And it's about and it's an event that is, um, a day of workshops that let hope congregations to become more inclusive and welcoming to LGBTQIA folk. And it started off actually as a youth event, like the youth wanted to do this for the greater church, which is awesome. And one of the workshops that we both attended was about language inclusivity in the church. And the person who led it is a pastor who is non-binary and they were fabulous about, and both of us were like minds blown. And we really wanted to talk about this but we need a lot of time to process. <laughs> and you're just not in your head.
1: because yeah, it was it was really awesome. Yeah, I hold it. And and uh, Rebecca Brusselhoff is also did she speak at that one too?
0: No, I don't think she did. but anyway, tell okay. people who I Rebecca mean, she's is
1: spoken to other ones as well. but um, she is a if you if you're in the Lutheran circles, you'll, you know um, Rebecca Brusselhoff is a, is a trans activist who is
0: amazing. And she's 12.
1: And she's, yeah, she is, like, 12 years old.
0: 13-ish. With
1: activist circles around you. Yeah. So so go to, go find her stuff and send her some love, because she's yes.
0: amazing. Yes, and her mom is also super um, involved in the uh, advocacy community. And so since then, like, I was one of the lead organizers of a similar event in my Senate in Northeast Pennsylvania that we did last, um, oh... Yeah, last October. We're doing it again this October. We call it We Love. And uh, Rebecca's mom, Jamie, was one of our, uh, was our keynote speaker at it. So, um, yeah. So, so some thoughts, because as you said, our, our, our our language is so binary and we've especially made that binary with God. So,
1: yeah. And, and uh, most of the time, of course. We tend to gender God as a male. Yes. That has been the default for a long time.
0: And and not just using pronoun, the pronoun he, but then we capitalize the he as it's super important. I can't stand that and people get upset if you even don't say he, if you just avoid the pronoun. And to quote one of my friends who I I almost died laughing reading this is like, you know, if you aren't worshiping the penis, then really what's the entire point? So well, no, if you're
1: here, if you're here listening to this podcast, you definitely probably don't agree. Yeah, yeah
0: you're probably not offended by by that comment. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so by yeah,
1: it oh, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say by trying to just adjust our pronouns for God and our language from for God, we're not just being more inclusive of people who are non-binary, but we're also being inclu- inclusive of women, and we're being inclusive of people who are, um, oh, um. Uh, uh, people who don't have great relationships with their fathers, because we always talk about God as the father, um, and so for some people that's not a comforting image when their father was abusive.
1: Yeah, and I, I think no matter what what language you do choose to use, you're gonna exclude somebody, and you because you can't really include everyone. But it's like, who? How can we be the most sensitive and the most loving yeah. to the most amount of people? I know for myself. Um, for a while, I was like, yeah, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yep, that's mm-hmm. very inclusive. And then realizing that does not include people who are non-binary. And so I myself have switched to siblings in Christ, which, you know, siblings, not everyone loves that word. It's kind of a weird word, but it's slightly better. It, well, it's
0: gendered. Yes, and it's one of those things that... Uh, for people who don't need to hear it, they probably won't notice you changing from brothers and sisters to siblings. Um, It's such a, we automatically go there in our heads. We don't think about it, but for the people who need to hear that inclusivity, they will hear it and they will hear the fact that you are not being binary in your language. So,
1: and that'll be like a signal to them. Ah, I really am. And when we say all are welcome, I really am welcome here. Or
0: at least they're making an effort. Yes. Um, yeah, hopefully. And hopefully they realize that it is an effort. And, like, this doesn't have to be something that needs to be a vote or needs to be a huge discussion in a worship committee. Like, you as a worship leader, just do it, <laughs> like, for some of it. So um, so we talk a little bit about pr- pronouns so, and language used for. So let's talk about for God. So um, even if we don't use he for God... Uh, We still use a lot of language that depicts God as masculine. So we've been talking about father. That's the obvious one. But there's still other um, things that we use for God uh, that those words are very masculine-oriented, like Lord being one of them.
1: Right. Prince of Peace, um, King. Yes. Yeah. And
0: people would flip their lid if you said, you know, the Queen of Glory. Oh my gosh <laughs> everlasting father
1: right princess yeah, of peace to find a gender neutral for that what would, what would be the gender neutral for like king would it be like sovereign
0: yeah ruler
1: <laughs> regent yeah ruler. i mean so it's out there i mean all language is fallible so yes yeah. fallible falls down yep yeah. and i think most
0: people can agree that for when you're talking about jesus the human being that walked on this earth you can use male language like Jesus yeah, embodied right. a male form. Uh, I know there's weird people out there that think that Jesus didn't have a penis. I'm talking about penises a lot, but I really think that if Jesus was traveling with a group of guys for tw- uh, for three years, they would have noticed at some point. <laughs> like,
1: probably. Yeah. We don't really know how males hang out with one another being females but <laughs> But people.
0: I still think at some point they would have been putting out the fire at some campfire <laughs> some night and We're
1: imagining
0: <laughs> So I also think that Jesus laughed at a good fart joke every once in a while so you know <laughs> he was,
1: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of those went around.
0: So um <clears throat> but So the thing that kind of blew our mind going back to this workshop we attended over a year ago was like, so if we're talking about Jesus as male, well, does that mean that when we talk about Christ as in the entity of the God entity that saves us from our sin and and from death, does that mean that Christ is also male?
1: Right. And then like you talk about like fully human and fully God. Yes. some people have made the argument of, like, does, that makes God a dude because Jesus was a dude. Yeah, Really, I, there's lots of theologians out there who have said, honestly, like, in order for Jesus to, like, get what he needs to do done, he needed to be a guy.
0: Yep. Because something, of that like, time and era.
1: Something. Yeah. So, like, the maleness doesn't reflect... Uh, God and Jesus, maleness reflects human fallibility in the fact that no one would have listened to a woman.
0: Yeah. Uh, And there's a beautiful sculpture at St. John divine church in New York. That is, um, uh, Krista. I forget the full name, but it's Krista something. And it depicts, uh, Jesus on the cross with breast and like uh, this very feminine female, um, depiction. And there's a lot of people who have found this, uh, sculpture as offensive because how dare you depict Jesus as female? Um, yeah,
1: I can see that there would probably be a backlash, but it's
0: also beautiful at the same time. I've seen it in person and it's just gorgeous. And, um, and it it is one of those things that just kind of make you think of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and as a woman is like, Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. Jesus truly you know, like we talk about how Jesus God sent Jesus in order to take on human humanity and our human sins. But I also have at one level is like, oh, well, Jesus isn't truly me. And so and if I feel that way as a woman, seeing Jesus depicted as a woman, like um, like for our, our either our trans siblings or our non-binary siblings who can see when people are able to open up the Christ figure in their body image. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So that's really important to do. Yep. So does that mean, like, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, like, one of the lesser problematic entities of the Trinity?
0: Well, I mean, the Spirit still gets—I mean, most people are okay with the Spirit being called—referred to as female pronouns, but there's still a lot of people who are against that, and then there's also parts of Scripture that refers to— the spirit as with male pronouns, including like one of our gospel lessons coming up, which is John 14, uh, 15 through 21, where it's this advocate is coming. And then there's some very he pronouns and depending on your translations. So, so,
1: so you had some thoughts about like pronouning pronouning.
0: So, um, one of my friends uses the simple formula and granted it doesn't work in every circumstances, but it overall is an okay work. Uh, My friend tends to use for God, the creator, they, them pronouns for the God found in Jesus and both Jesus and the Christ figure. um, He, him pronouns. And then when we're talking about the spirit, God, the spirit uses she, her pronouns. So, that you are not excluding anyone, and that you are using this non-binary gender fluid Godhead, which I know makes some people's brains explode, <laughs> and I'm okay with and, that. Yeah,
1: God is not just by; God is try. Fun stuff.
0: Anyway, <laughs> I think guessing. I think gender fluid is a better term there than try. Probably.
1: Probably. All right. You could probably maybe make the stretch for Trinity Sunday um, if you felt very bold. But anyway, should we talk about pronouns and people?
0: Yes. Let's talk about especially normalizing pronouns for people.
1: Right. Yeah. And I I talked a little bit about like siblings in Christ being sort of like one thing you could do during worship. Um, So one of the things you can do pre-worship or pre-liturgy is if you, if your congregation is in the habit of wearing name tags it's pretty easy to find those gender uh the pronoun pins or pronoun stickers and then just have people put them on
0: when you're Um, worshiping in person
1: right when you're worshiping in person yeah so this is more of an idea of like whenever we're worshiping together but you yourself um can in order to normalize just the conversation as you're leading digital worship uh could still wear it i have my um in lutheran church we have something called reconciling in christ uh like the icon with like uh, it's like the logo the logo yeah that's what I'm saying. The logo and i have a pin and so i wear that on my stole yeah words 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 uh and so like in my my leading worship i have this rainbow pin on that sort of is like a visual cue and and i could actually in in digital worship you could put the pin on and yeah like zoom um that could uh, work or if you're, whenever you're leading worship digitally in person, you could say I'm pastor so-and-so, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I welcome you to blotty, Bladi Blada church. Mm-hmm. So it's just some way to kind of normalize yep. uh, the conversation around identifying pronouns rather than just assuming someone is a certain pronoun.
0: Yeah. And our our trans siblings are very apt to say that the more that cisgender people are, introducing themselves with their correct pronouns, that more people are then apt to, uh, first off, think about that, that not, you don't always go with your first assumptions. And then also to be accepting of someone when they introduce themselves as their pronouns, which may not match what somebody else would identify them as. So exactly. All right. So moving on to some other stuff. Past pronouns, yeah. past some language. Um, so, we're going to just dive in with one of the trickiest things, which is hymns or songs, because hymns might be gendered. Um, so,
1: especially if you're doing things without bulletins and people aren't seeing. Yes.
0: So music in general, our songs might be the trickiest part to adapt and adjust, and they might be one of the things that you want to tackle last. It's so much easier to tackle spoken liturgy before we tackle music, just because music, so much of it relies on the meter and the flow, plus they're often well-known hymns, and if you're using a hymnal and the words are already printed and trying to edit that, or even if you're using a PDF, if you've ever tried to like edit the words in a PDF um oh it's it's so frustrating um it, because it's like an image like uh um and even something that's so well known like i was thinking about like the dox, uh, the doxology which you know i grew up singing praise god from whom all blessings flow pray him all creatures here below praise father son and holy ghost um and so it's hymns and father and then even the the edited version is praise God above all, ye heavenly hosts. Praise God, yeah. Praise God from whom all, blessings, all blessings flow. Go- praise God. All oh, praise just here below. below. Praise, praise, praise God above ye heavenly heaven. hosts. But then you still father, get, son. but you still get Father in there. That's true. Yeah. And Son. Can't like think about it. Yes. About when. Um. So even with that, you're still getting Son. You're still and Father, and so. And that's even the edited version that we aren't using he, him language for God, but we still get father, son.
1: And then even like, it's not a hymn, but like the sung part of like the community liturgy, whether or not you're doing digital communion, we won't judge. Uh, but, you know, the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give, give God him. thanks and praise. Yeah. Wow, the, I think the old language was it's right to give, give him, him. Thanks and praise. Thanks and praise, but there's still like Lord in there, yeah. and
0: and there's so many people who yeah. So anyway, back to music. Um, yes. we'll get but to the
1: music. liturgy. Kind of all
0: um, so uh, one thing you can do is intentionally like start a new song list. Go through the hymnal, find songs that either don't use gender pronouns for God and gender language for God and start keeping that list. You can sacrifice a hymnal to this where you mark up the songs so, and you can rate them on a one to five scale of like five are ones that don't use any gender language whatsoever. Uh, you know, a four might use a he here or there, a three might even you, you know, uses a few more he he's and some father and then like a one is like, you Just shoot God with testosterone. I mean, like
1: Robinson. yes,
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> <Red> but <alert.
0: laughs> um, but you can kind of keep a list from that, uh, and and you'll eventually, especially you'll start finding your list of what are the go to hymns. And even if you just have one or two of those, like four or fives out of your three or four hymns a Sunday, that starts to make a change. So
1: yeah know in our, in our hymnal or, or in, and just do like, maybe just some balancing. Like if you, ha- if like, if it's a really big tradition to like sing one of those number, like one star hymns. Yes. Then another one that's like mother and God who gave me birth. That yes. You no, know, like if you can't quite do all your hymns at that level, throw some balance in
0: there. Yes. All
1: like, right. At least.
0: And you had thought a little bit about the Psalms.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of threw the psalm in this section. Um, so I know in our hymnal, the written out metered. So, so we, in some of our congregations, we sing like the psalm responses. And in our hymnal, the psalm parts are metered out. But I think most of them are written. They, they've changed to like third person singular, which honestly is almost always translated as he, um, and it changes it to uh, the second person singular you which sometimes gets a little awkward um, and she kind of changes around. So it's not quite what it is. And like we use the NRSV most often, fairly regularly in the DLC. And so it doesn't match, but it might be worth using the slightly awkward version to kind of mitigate the gendered language. So it's just a thought about Psalms. Yep.
0: All right. Bible, since you just talked about NRSV. Speaking of
1: Bible (laughs) translations. Yes.
0: Um so probably the gold star out there right now for, uh, is the Inclusive Bible which is the first Egalitarian translation. Um it was written completely to look at the way that language has built barriers between the readers and hearers and the text. So it doesn't just look at uh pronouns but it also looks at some of those things we were talking about earlier about king and ruler uh, you know and lord and things like that. It also looks at other parts throughout scripture that we might be seen as a barrier between us and understanding the language based on, um, relationship to the text. Uh, the cons is it can be kind of wordy at times as it goes to get around that. It is not a word for word translation. It is a much more of a point for point translation. And because it is not well known, if you were going to like copy sections and put in your bulletins, you might have some copyright issues with that. Most of them allow you to copyright, such a a length, as long as it's not more than 75% of your published work, blah, blah, blah. But you'll have to look into that. I haven't looked into the copyright uh, for the inclusive Bible, but.
1: Especially for reading out loud. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It can be, it can be a little wordy. Um, My current favorite translation to use right now is the Common English Bible. It's much easier to read than like the NRSV that, uh, that Lydia had mentioned earlier. It was written I, I think it was published in 2011. Um, so it's fairly new. Um, and,
1: That's not right.
0: Yeah. And so therefore, my the general thought is the newer the language, the better it is at about inclusivity. But it wasn't written for that. So there is some st- still uses of he for God, the creator. And like I said earlier, that text from John 14, there is still he for the spirit there as well. So there's still gender language. It's just not as horrible. And it does tend to use a lot more terms like people instead of man and siblings instead of brothers and sisters and things like that throughout. So
1: another thing that I just thought of actually is Mm -hmm. when, when I'm reading some of those parts from the gospel of John that talk about the Jews and what it really means is like the Jewish authorities. I think the CEB corrects for that. So whenever I have to read those sections for like, you know, Lent or Maundy Thursday or uh, I tend to switch to the CEB kind of for that reason. Yes. And so it's a bit more inclusive in kind of that other direction.
0: Yeah. And the other thing you can do is to kind of make your own inclusive version. So take your favorite translation. Um, if you're, you know, you're planning worship for the Sunday, take your lessons for the coming Sunday, look through it, um, make any minor tweaks as you prepare worship, looking for uh, gender language for God and, uh, and for people when it does not need to be there. So changing that pronouns, it takes work. But the good thing is if you're on the three year lectionary cycle, after three years, you basically have it all done. So,
1: yes, yes, (laughs) yes, and then
0: I, but the other thing is language is constantly evolving. So you might be done in three years, but that doesn't mean three years from now. You won't want to look at it again and be like, oh, what, what else am I seeing? What else am I doing?
1: Exactly. We're we're, going to be think about where we were like three years ago, as far as at least the two of us, as far as like learning about like language pronouns, gendered language, like, yeah, maybe farther than many of our colleagues. But we definitely I think I've learned a lot. Oh, yeah. In those three years.
0: Yes. And I know I'm still learning and I'm constantly adapting. And as an ally, it's I take the lead from others and you can only do so much. So,
1: yeah do we can So should we talk about preaching?
0: Yes. So my best advice, I'm a manuscript script preacher, but I don't like, I write out my sermon word for word, like full manuscript, but then I don't read it word for word. Like I have it there and I reference it and it's probably 90% what I wrote. So my best advice is, especially when you're first thinking about this is, um, take after you've written out your, man, uh, your manuscript, take one read-through explicitly looking for inclusive language. So pronouns for God, um, your examples, are they theoretical parents that you're always using mom and dad? Can you just say the term parent instead of mom and dad? And then ex- make those changes. And then even if you don't then read your sermon word for word, when you preach, you're more likely to use that language as you preach. And then after a few weeks, this will become more of your natural language and writing. And then you won't have to do this separate read through just to make sure that you are. And it's weird. Like the first when I first started to use the they them pronouns for God, the creator, like it was weird. And I know I wrote it a few times before I actually said it. um, And now it's my norm. Like, I don't even think about it as I'm writing. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And another example or other examples that I was thinking of is. I think many of us, not all of us, many of us start our sermons with like grace to you and peace from God. Usually we say God, our father is like the next natural thing to say, because that, that comes from some, one of Paul's writings or yes. something, something like that. Um, so I've actually changed it to grace to you and peace from God, the creator. And I make sure like all the, the whole Trinity is in there. So it's not just God, the one we make the male and then Jesus, the male. And then I'm like, you gotta put the Holy spirit in there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, something else that I was thinking about is like your the specific uh what what kinds of images do you or stories do you tell in your sermons um maybe you it's hard to find ones that they themselves are all inclusive but we ask you to please strive for balance don't use all like baseball references or something that's like stereotypically male or don't just talk about stories with mothers and fathers or just parents I mean you can but please please like balance out your stories if you're doing like a baseball team one week next week do something not baseball or we all, we all know stories about preachers who like <laughs> talk about their math class or like I'm... always talk about their kids
0: one of my friends when she her parents preacher who may still be at her parents' church, at least was throughout, she was in, like, high school and then was still there, at least through her young adulthood, because he's the one who officiated her wedding, always told cowboy stories. Always. Including at her wedding. Somehow there was an image of a cowboy at her wedding, and she is not a cow person, cowboy, cowgirl, Midwestern person at all. And this is in like, central Pennsylvania. This isn't, like, Oh my god! And so, whenever she refers to this pastor, I always go, "Oh, the cowboy pastor!" (laughs) Like that is what he is known for.
1: Yeah, but we we can all get stuck in a rut. But like, diversify, 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 diversify. Um. Also, please avoid using stereotypes to like. Yes. This seems pretty obvious, but I feel like I'm always I'm always hearing about pastors who like start out their sermons by telling sexist jokes that are like yeah you know women are like this or even men are like that Mm -hmm. the joke the crux of the joke is like predicated on like some stereotype about what women are like um or kind of like a semi-rude joke when they just want to get a laugh or to get into the sermon just have a boring introduction rather than that Yes. Yeah. People are even yeah. The but... thing about just diversifying is balance out your quotes. If you're gonna quote people in your sermon, don't use all dead white men or old white men. Like you can use them sometimes, it's fine. Yep. Use other people.
0: I'm just realizing how different our preaching styles are, just by this section right here. Oh really? Oh yeah. You don't tell uh,
1: stories or quote anyone. No, I don't. And
0: that's fine. Because <laughs> um, I was also going to say another thing is also spend time in education. Like, it's a uh, I almost always when I talk about social justice issues and I'm I, and to I tend to talk. I give examples that are like one sentence apiece, and there's almost always something about food security. There's, um, there's almost always something about education equality. There's almost always something about that's a one sentence example about racial equality. And then I also do gender, uh, um, LGBT inclusivity. Um, uh, maybe there's some more, maybe I don't do all of them cause I can't think of a good example for each of them, but they're almost there. So my congregation, like I'm thinking of my newer congregation that I've been at only since September. Um, they, their pastor, like two or three ago was all, he was completely fine with, um, uh, having, um, LGBTQ weddings at same sex weddings at their congregation and he was completely fine with that. Well, then they got a new pastor, and he didn't speak about it at all, and it was almost like this giant secret. And now it's like, it's well known that I am, without me ever actually having to say I am for LGBTQ inclusivity, they all know where I stand. Like, and no one, if anyone asked, would I officiate a same-sex wedding at the congregation, they would all know, yes, I would, without me ever having to say specifically that, because I've included that as an example so often in my preaching. So...
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, however, you preach, doesn't matter yeah. what you include or don't include, just uh, have a wide range.
0: Yes. All right. So, some other liturgy tidbits.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just kind of threw some stuff at the end. We already covered a lot of the, like, um, a bit of the Trinity language, because it's, of course, it's everywhere in yes. our liturgy invocation, confession, creed, benediction. Yeah. It's all over the place. Um, one, one way just to mention that some have like worked on to to kind of work around it is like, even though it's probably some sort of heresy and I don't remember which one to, to talk about God, the parts of the persons of the Trinity as their roles. So like creator, redeemer, sustainer, which I know some people aren't in love with. I've also seen like using verbs with god like for the benediction may the god who creates who redeems who sustains um those are some options
0: and the thing that i like about the verbs is that for some people it still goes to the trinity and for some people it is still a monotheistic godhead because this one god does all so
1: and that's kind of where, where we're about so it's yeah. not that radical right no no <laughs> the heresy police aren't going to get us i'm thinking about that um that one youtube uh thing that goes around every saint patrick's day oh yes about the or or trinity sunday which is coming up and about all of the different heresies you probably if you're listening to this you probably know which youtube video (laughs) i'm talking about
0: come on patrick
1: yeah come on patrick (laughs) 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 yeah yeah
0: um So another thing that you can do is to offer name change, liturgy and rites. Um, this is true for people who are transgender, but it's also true for people who've changed their name for whatever the reason. So like Lydia, when you got divorced, we did a name change, right? Uh, for, as you reclaimed your maiden name as your last name. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, my name of origin. And now I guess it's like just my professional name since, since I got married, uh, again, uh, Again, I guess I'm guess remarried. <laughs> second. Yeah. So yeah, that was a really nice, uh, it was a really nice liturgy and yeah. it was really
0: cool. And I wrote it and I don't know where it is, so I didn't, I can't reference it, but, um, I oh, used a bunch of different options that are out there, but the thing is that there's a whole lot of options out there and they talk about how many different times God renames people throughout scripture. Um, you know, uh, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, um, you know, and then it continues, <laughs> like, um, and so, uh, but they're so personal and for a lot of people, what they want in that rite is going to be so different. Like I know some people that when they have have done their uh, name changing rite, they've done a remembrance of a baptism because you are baptized in, in with the, um, under that name. And for other people, they don't want that. And so, Uh, I would suggest talking to the person, find out what they want and then finding a few, I mean, doing a quick Google search, finding out, maybe tweaking a few and give one or two options to that person, you know, maybe two or three options to that person and let them choose what they want. Um, because it is going to be so personal for that. And it's not like there's a, an official right on a name changing liturgy, like, but that's also what I do for weddings. That's also what I do for, you know, even for baptisms i adjust some of the language here and there based on the family like so that's what i'm the advice i'll give you regardless (laughs) so
1: yeah and the the baptismal liturgies we all have all denominations are just so rich with that like it just seems really natural to pair the two together yeah they work really well
0: yeah um any other thoughts on, on inclusive language? I mean, we can get into like making your building inclusive with making gender, uh, uh, gender neutral or unisex bathrooms. And, um,
1: it almost seems like a moot point at this point. Yeah. You keep trying, like, please do. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but I think there's, yeah, at this point, we need to just kind of stick with language, especially. I mean, we're what a day out from the Unitarians ca- saying that they aren't going to worship in person for a year, and
1: exactly
0: so yeah. we're still the,
1: the point is processing.
0: Still I was gonna say, yeah, we
1: have... yeah we're needing some, some time, but, but it's, the point is, there's still things that we can do in our liturgies to acknowledge, especially the fact that June is Pride Month,
0: yes. um,
1: and a lot of well I think all of the festivities have been canceled
0: yes the one here in the Lehigh Valley has been moved to it's not been canceled it's virtual
1: because ah, pride is not canceled yes. oh that's great I, I don't think the one or, I don't think Doylestown has made any announcement like that or if they haven't missed it but um they're there I mean we can't since we can't show up at these events in person there are still ways that we can show up for our yes
0: Siblings. And I think there's a way that we can, especially in June, make sure that uh, pride is included in our prayers, make sure, especially, um, and I can't think of the exact date, <laughs> the Sunday closest to Stonewall anniversary, which I think is the 20th, but I could be wrong on that um, off the top of my head.
1: We will find out. Yeah. We will, we will learn that.
0: Yeah. So there's a way that we can include that in our uh, prayers. Um, yes. Many, many different ways to really? continue to right, be. So what's
1: our chaser for
0: today? Um, so our chasers, we talked a little bit about hymns earlier, and here's an option that you can have for hymns. It's called Song of the Holy o- Other, and it's um, by the Hymn Society. You can find it through their website. Um, it's the org, and if you want the site for this um resource. It's the slash resources slash songs dash four dash the dash holy dash other. So, or just go to the hymnsociety.org and do a search for The Holy Other. Um, just a sentence from their descriptions to tell you what it is. It's Songs of the Holy Other aims to provide congregations working to dismantle the walls with the toolbox of hymns by and for those who identify as members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, pansexual, transgender, non-binary, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, aromantic, two-spirits, and other sexual gender minorities, LGBTQIA2S+, communities and their allies. And it's about 50 hymns, mostly written specifically for this, question, uh, for this collection. So not only is it uh, songs that... Uh, Don't use gendered language for, for God and for people, but it kind of breaks down the the barrier. So to give you an idea, here are just some of the titles: All the Colors of the Rainbow, Fearfully Wonderfully Made, um, God of Queer Transgressive Spaces, um, Quirky Queer and Wonderful, uh, Transfigure Me, We Are the Rainbow, uh, The Kingdom of God in the queerness of nations. So this is like super LGBT affirming and it might be completely out there for a lot of your congregations, but that doesn't mean that some of the songs in here wouldn't be still good for your congregations that maybe aren't as loud and proud that are still proud, but not as loud and proud. Um, So you can, um, I, my, I, I've heard a few of the songs in here. They aren't ones that I know before this. I, I like, but they, the group who put it together out of the committee of eight, four self-identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community. So, um, they are, it's a good resource and I've had it. Um, lifted up to me by a few other people that have worked, who are part of the LGBTQ plus community, who are working for inclusive language in the church. So all right, I think that's all we have for today about inclusive language. But Lydia, what are we going to talk about next time?
1: Well, next up, we have a couple of things that are in the hopper. First, both of us are attending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopper, hopper. (laughs) The hopper, yeah. (laughs) Using a diversity of different images. <laughs> that one's a ring image.
0: Huh? Oh, anyway, so what's in the hopper, Lydia?
1: Anyway, so we're going to, first of all, we're both attending, virtually attending festival homiletics that is happening next week. So we're going to be recording like what we did last year, uh, kind of mini episodes, uh, kind of recapping what we've done during kind of during the day it's going to be very different because festival homiletics is digital but we are very very grateful that they have made that event um free and like with a little bit of extra you can get kind of like the bonus features and whatnot and and the recordings but we're so thankful that of homiletics uh is doing that so we are both going to Uh, in our separate places be attending, and then we'll recap every day with the exciting nuggets that we have learned. And then after that, we will be talking about all of the things on all the ways that you are doing gathering as the church, uh, not on Sunday mornings. What are you doing on your Facebook pages or on Zoom that is kind of not your typical, usual worship on Sunday morning, um, kind of in these virtual spaces, so sort of like non-Sunday gatherings, events, yep. uh, liturgical or not, that you are doing. We'll, we'll think about some creative uh, title for yep.
0: that at some point. And if you have any of those uh, that you're doing, you can share them with us. As, uh, both tell us what you're doing, but maybe even share a link to what you're doing, because we'd love to watch. Um, and you can do that via Facebook or Twitter by finding us at Liturgy, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y, or email us at lit liturgy at gmail.com again l-i-t-l-i-t-u-r-g-o-i i really like spelling our name it's fun so.
1: <laughs> well some people like me need help with that yeah with spelling but anyway as usual thank you so much to brian o'dean for our wonderful theme music go check out his stuff he's doing he's very busy right now yeah doing a lot of things
0: he, he's putting out a lot of stuff during this quarantine time so he's great
1: yeah, he's doing amazing
0: so in uh the meantime this is becca
1: This is Lydia. And
0: we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly. Cheers, friend.
1: Cheers.